You guys asked for it. It's finally here. Carousel Project Inspired Merch. This collection has been on our hearts and minds for a while, and it was finally the time for us to bring it to life. Spinning Carousel Company is a pixie-dusted jewelry company inspired by theme park history and all of our most magical moments. Each piece is custom-designed to represent the unique moments in time of each of your favorite parks. Buy them now at spinningcarousel.com and use code CARUSELPROJECT for 10% off your first order. Thank you all so much for your support. There's a great big beautiful tomorrow Shining at the end of every day There's a great big beautiful tomorrow And tomorrow is just a dream away Man has a dream, and that's the start. He follows his dream with mind and heart. And when it becomes a reality, it's a dream come true for you and me. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the season finale of another season of Carousel Project Podcast. We are so excited to be here, and I can't believe it's taken us five seasons to talk about this topic. But before we get started, I'm Josie Maida, and you can find me on all socials at Josie Maida. And I am Kate Killebrew, and you can find me on all socials at Kate Killebrew. And I'm Epcot Adam, and you can find me on all socials at Epcot Adam. Yeah, you can. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of energy we need for the finale. Yeah. I was just thinking, yeah, you can is kind of like a big finale energy. Anyway. Like but but yeah you can is kind of like a like a yeah you can. Like it's like a motivational. It's motivational. Yeah, Yeah, it is. I feel like we should make yeah you can like stickers or shirts because like it's it's motivation for your everyday life. Like yeah you can find Adam on socials. But you can also do do whatever else you say. You can, yeah, you can, whatever if, you if want. If you want your high school yearbooks back, you can do that. Yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> this episode is going to be, um, this episode is going to be something. This is going to be gonna a be World's something. Fair in itself, this episode. This is going to be the 2023 Carousel Project <laughs> World's Fair. Oh my gosh, next year would be like 60 years since that fair yeah wow. dang so we have saved this for next year uh yeah for planning okay on let's our scrap part, this but, oh well <laughs> all right change of topic bye guys we we'll talk to you guys in- <laughs> dude wait okay before we jump in speaking of anniversaries just to share this delightful tidbit last night i was in a disney gift shop okay. and i heard some people come in and they were like it's looking at the 100th stories. anniversary merch the 100 oh, years of wonder there and they go. were like oh from 50 years to 100 in just a couple months. No. That's some Disney magic. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't make sense. But, like, so dumb. And it took everything in me not to turn around because I was like, they're probably just being oh, stupid God. on purpose. But they yeah, were, like, hopefully. mean being stupid on purpose. It right. wasn't jovial. It was not jovial. And I was like, y'all sound like clowns. You look like clowns. Um, <laughs> you sound like clowns. I was just trying to exchange my jacket. I did find a medium. Oh, good. In the 100 Yay. Years jacket. I'm glad. And I was able to exchange it after a little back and forth with yeah. my girl at the counter. Um, anyways, the 1964 World Fair. This is our official, unofficial ad for the 
100th Disney 100 bomber jacket. We both we purchased it. I don't think Adam has purchased one yet, but no, but Adam but, needs but to because I also I bought them. one for my other friend Adam for his birthday, and oh, then like we all have yeah, so, it, and so Adam the boys Square have it, so Adam and then the boys of, have them. So yeah. Renee and Adam, Nick it's really both not that expensive, okay. so you really yeah, gotta just really kind of bite bad. the bullet on this, and okay. it looks great. And the it pockets does. have zippers, so if okay. you go on Tron, you can put stuff in the pockets Ooh. and zip them. So it's just a great jacket. Like I think twenty years from now, that's going to be the piece that we're like, oh, Me thank too. God right. we have this jacket. The jacket and the purple ear hat, which are the two things I bought because mm-hmm. I was okay. like, years from now, this is going to be what I wish I had if I don't have it. I'll check at so Disneyland that. next week. Yeah, get it. Hell yeah, just, just hop on the train. Anyway, yeah, just do it. Just do it. Anyways, our question of the day. Bow, 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 bow is what is your favorite attraction that came out of the 1964 World's Fair? I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say the Carousel of Progress because it honestly inspired our show here, and I've just always loved it. I love the nostalgia of it. Um, You know, on my college program when I would get to work, too early to play but like I had that awkward amount of time of like I couldn't go back to my place but I couldn't go into work yet I'd go in there and take a little nappy um she has served me well even though I love them all I do although I will say it's a small world at Disneyland is way better than Walt Disney World like I don't like Walt Disney World's really at all but Disneyland I love going on Mm -hmm. so the Disneyland version would probably be a close second for me yes um, I'll go second, and my answer is basically the same as hers, but I'm going to change it for fun, and I'm going to say Ford's Magic Skyway becoming the people mover. So Ooh, that's, that's a I'm sneaky gonna good one. I'm going to say that because um, we all love a people mover ride, and Disneyland has been without their people mover Don't for remind me. two decades now, so... It's been a good a season shame. or two since since I've voiced yeah. my frustrations about Rocket Rods, but I might have to start <laughs> that that shtick again. I was gonna say that's where I was thinking this was gonna this conversation was gonna. But end I can, up yeah, I about can, Rocket Rod shaming. Everything Josie said, though, I echo for sure. But I wanted to be different, so I said Ford mm, Magic mm. Skyway. Anyway. Well, you know what? I will say it's a small world because I was lucky enough to grow up next to the Superior one. Um, oh, you were. I was not oh, expecting oh, you that. Were. Oh, I love It's a Small World, but Disney World's like the first time I went there and I saw that everything was like enclosed in it's like, so the building. I'm just like, wait, where's like the gigantic facade? And like, you know, we get the Christmas version Inside. and stuff. And it's just, yeah. And it just, you know, I, I loved It's a Small World as a kid. I love it now, especially the holiday version. So we're going to go with that. But I also I do say... love a good Carousel of Progress um, ride with you too as well. I will Mm. say the only thing I like about Magic Kingdom Small World over Disneyland's is I prefer the large room of water versus the flume. Like if they would have if they would have Disneyland's as like a large room of water instead of just the little flume, right? Where the water goes up to like the chef's kiss. Yes, I that's I will say like that's the one thing I prefer about Magic Kingdoms. Obviously, everything else about Disneyland's I prefer, but that was the one thing that threw me for a loop when I finally did Disneyland's. I was like, wait a minute, we're just sitting in this flume. Everything else amazing, but that that threw me for a loop. And at Disneyland, we have the hula dancers that. Spirit, oh uh, yeah, the hula dancers. I love the way they have there. the little characters yep. in it, and they always well, the go hula. away. Sometimes there's two yeah. of them. Sometimes <laughs> there's, there's four. Sometimes, sometimes there's, there's just one. Four, but only two are dancing, and the others are just <laughs> blinking. Like, <Yeah. 
anyway. It's fun. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the 1964 World's Fair. Who knew that this little biatch was such a hot mess? I did not. <laughs> I did not. And I'm going to say right off at the beginning of the episode that anything we can do, Defunct Land can do better, even though he never wanted to go on a date with me. Have we told that story in here before? I feel like we have. What story? The time that, okay, so Kate went to D23 and she saw Kevin from Defunct Land. Oh, and she was like, oh my gosh, can we take a picture yeah. together? And he was like, yeah, we can take a picture together. Don't send it to anyone. She was like, I'm going to send it to my best friend Josie because she loves you too and she has to see you, but she won't tell anybody. And he was like, yeah, you can send it to her. Oh, so yeah, we I have slid in the story. DMs on <laughs> Twitter, Twitter and was Twitter. like, hey, I think you're really cute and we'd have a great time. Like, do you want to hang out? And I <laughs> never got an answer. <laughs> Pasquale, you don't listen I mean, to this part. In my mind, in my Probably world, it was funny. because he had a girlfriend already and was just could very be dedicated it. to yeah, his girlfriend. I think which so. yeah. really could be I think that's true. He is a good guy. I have I truly hold no ill will because I love Defunct Land. I love his work. But the 1964 World's Fair episode he does is really, really great, just like all his other theme park content. Who are we kidding? Yeah. Before we talk about the 1964 World's Fair, mm. I figure we could touch on the first World's Fair. I would absolutely love to. Are you talking Same. about the one that happened in 1791 in Prague? No, I'm not. I'm oh, talking no. about the one in 1851 in London. Bum, bum, bum. So tell me about the one in Prague. I don't know anything about it. I just when oh. I looked up like a Prague. big list of... Yeah, it was in, it was in Prague. <laughs> it was in there 17 you know. something. It was in 1791. I don't know. When I looked up like a big list of the World's Fairs, there was a list on Wikipedia. So again, yeah. who knows? But like there are so many because it used to happen like every yeah. year. Right. And it said that the first one was in 1791 in Prague. I so. went off of um, the Walt Disney... Uh, museum website where I got this information about Ooh. the first. So I th- there may have been one before, but according to them, the first World's Fair was in London at Crystal Palace in 1851, and it was called the Great Exhibition of the Works of Industry of All Nations, and it was Prince Albert's idea to provide society with the hope of of a better and brighter future based on mankind's capacity to create innovative and new technology. So I just opened up the list from Wikipedia, and the one you're talking about is, it says in parentheses, typically listed as the first World's Fair. So maybe the other ones were events that were similar because they have one from 1850 all the way back to 1791 in Prague. So I don't know if maybe there was something a little different and then the one in 1851 was the first one where it was kind of like, okay, this is the world's fair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know I how, like, I feel like one, it's very. The reason why it may be, I, I don't know what the other ones included, but this mm-hmm. one in particular had 32 nations represented. Um, and it was, it was, there were 6 million people in attendance. And some of the things that were there were like the biggest diamond at the time, um, the world's first automatic voting machine, and the precursor to today's fax machine. This is all according to the Walt Disney Family Museum site. So that is a very reputable site. And I was looking on Wikipedia, but either way, World's Fairs have been going around, yeah. for a, going on for a really a long, long time, time, which is absolutely incredible to think about just how humanity has always had this like longing to come together and showcase what's new and what's innovative. And I don't know, I just think that's really, 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 really cool. Yeah, I thought it was just interesting, like the fir- the world's first automatic voting machine, you know, back in 1851. And like the fact that 
uh, I think it was Queen Victoria's son, Prince Albert, that was the one that came up with this idea. But here we are, you know, hundreds of years later talking about it. I wish we still really had a World's Fair. Like, we don't really have a World's Fair anymore because, like, the internet and, like, I don't know. But this was so cool, especially because it went on for, like, hundreds of years, which Mm -hmm. I feel like. You know, that brings us to the 1939 New York World's Fair, um, which is where Walt Disney and the Disney Company kind of had their first, you know, their first showing at the World's Fair. Mm -hmm. Um, So... During the 1939 World's Fair, it was also in New York. Um, There was a lot of futurism at this World's Fair. It was a lot of um, push for, like, the future and excitement about the future. Um, And Mickey's Surprise Party was a cartoon that was played there at the Nabisco exhibit. And they also had a Donald Duck Day. Mm -hmm. Um, But Walt Disney didn't even go to this World's Fair. He was still a cartoonist at the time. Um, He wasn't, like, a – he was well-known. But, again, the World's Fair just – didn't really make sense, I guess, for him to go. Like, it, they didn't have that much of a presence at the World's, World's yeah. Fair um, yeah. in the 1939 World's Fair. Yeah, I actually did a um, On This Day in Disney History about the Donald Duck Day that they had at 19, the 1939 oh, really? World's Fair. So when I saw the World's Fair pop up again for 1939, I was like, oh, I know part of it's going to be about the Donald. Because, I mean, they, in my opinion, they really went all out for that day, you know, having at that time, they didn't have an actual mascot for him. So it was like this smaller, um, sort of like character that they had come out very creepy. Um, the first 500 children that showed up, they got, um, a little gift and then, um, the little Donald character was paraded around. I mean, I don't know. I, it, it seemed pretty cool. Um, I know that there was a kind of a promotional aspect for his latest cartoon, Donald's Penguin. But, um, but yeah, I have a video on that, so I'm going to probably put that link in the show notes so people can hear the facts from that. I, I didn't pull them again for this, but... I love that. What I loved about Defunctland's video is that a lot of times when you learn about Disney and the 1964 World's Fair, it's all glimmering and great. And Kate and I have always said we wish we could time travel to go back, which I still do wish that. But I didn't realize how much um, like politics and absolute insanity was involved before. So basically this guy, Robert Moses, he was Mm -hmm. he really wanted a park to kind of create a legacy because in the New York social circle and just in New York in general, he was kind of thought of as and, and was this really terrible guy who was basically classist and racist and destroyed affordable housing mm. and just like was super, super crappy. Um, he wanted to make a park where the location for the 1939 and 1964 World's Fair would be. Um, so he was kind of a shady character, but he really wanted to make this public park to like save his reputation kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um After the 1939 World's Fair, it didn't really go that well. They didn't really make much money off of it. A lot of the, um, you know, countries and and different um, corporations that were a part of it kind of just like left their stuff in their booths, but it wasn't like in a good way. Like it was kind of a mess. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it didn't really work for him. He had gained more like power and the event was seen as a success but not really in the ways that he needed so in 1964 he became the president of the world's fair that again was going to happen in the same spot in new york um Mm -hmm. and he was kind of smarter this time by using his budget to make sure that buildings landscapings things that he could add 
dad were permanent. So when the World's Fair was over, he could have this park and this legacy. Mm -hmm. Um, And to do this, he also put a lot of the budgeting back onto sponsors, which allowed them more freedoms than ever before in designing their pavilions. But he also would charge them rent and charge them all these exorbitant fees. And they had to use very specific contractors, like anything he could do to make money he Mm. was doing. Also, again, just to touch on it, he was super racist and crappy. There were a lot of problems leading up to the 1964 World's Fair. He wasn't hiring any people of color. There was an investigation into that. He kind of like played stupid about it. He was just all around like super, super sleazy and wanted to make this park. Um, He also did not want... um, people who were, you know, people of color or people of lower income communities to be able to come not only to his park, but to the 1964 World's Fair. He like did not allow for there to be public transportation that led up to it. Um, He wanted to get rid of the Midway, which had been a staple of the World's Fair for Mm -hmm. so many years. Um, And so he just was kind of crappy, but he did recruit Walt Disney. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he was trying to get rid of all of these really cool things in the Midway, which were fun and what people really enjoyed doing at the World's Fair because he felt like it brought in unsavory people, low-income people, people who weren't smart enough, and he really Mm. wanted this World's Fair to be something magnificent. But again, they needed a lot of people through the gate to get him to his goal, so he needed something fun. And that's kind of where Walt Disney came in. He kept trying to recruit him. Walt wasn't really interested until there was an opportunity for Walt to kind of do what he wanted to do, which was bring more serious things to the table, show the world how inventive he was, um, Mm -hmm. that he wasn't just someone who was pushing things for fun, but he also really had something to offer the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I know through the several pieces I read, Robert Moses came up again and again and like his connection with Walt and getting Walt to do it. And then um, I even read that, I think it was on the the Walt Disney Family Museum site. They said at the end of that article that when the fair was over, he tried to get Walt to open that area as a East Coast park just mm-hmm. because the stuff was already set up there. And Walt declined yeah. because obviously he had other plans in mind for Florida, you know. But I thought yeah. that was interesting. He also had, that was one of his original tactics, according to the Defunct Land episode, that yeah. was also one of his original tactics was like, hey, if you come and build here and build some attractions for the 1964 World's Fair, I'll let you keep them here as a second like Disneyland-esque park. Yeah, Walt yeah. said no. And then and so I guess he must have offered to him again at the end, like, hey, if you want to stay, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I thought it was really interesting how on Defunct Land he talked about these two men kind of came together and it made a huge difference in the 1964 World's Fair because mm-hmm. of what both of them were looking for at that time in their lives, which was basically to create a long-lasting legacy. You know what I mean? Like Walt had done the animation thing. He had built Disneyland and it was successful. He had done TV. He had, you know, innovated in so many ways and so many fun things. But again, he wanted to do something, you know, to leave a lasting ep- um a lasting impact something more like epcot you know what i mean yeah. and then this guy robert moses wanted people to think of him well even though he was a total piece of garbage so um yeah <laughs> well, they needed each other i guess yeah i mean it, 
we're still talking about the 1964 World's Fair today. So, I mean, I guess he got the purpose he wanted. But I will say, I before researching, I'd never really heard of his name. So I feel like he didn't live out, you know, like, at least in the Disney world, we all think of Walt Disney. We don't think of him, which I guess Mm -hmm. makes sense. But um, I thought we could just pull a few of the facts of, like, the 1964 World's Fair itself. Um, The theme that year was Peace Through Understanding. Um, And there were 140 pavilions across the almost 650 acres. And it was mostly United States companies that had pavilions, but there were 21 states and 36 countries that also had uh, pavilions there. The Unisphere, which I'm sure a lot of us have seen the footage of that. um, It was the big globe that they had that was kind of the center of the whole thing. It was in the heart of the World's Fair, and it was supposed to be the symbol for the world's fair around around the globe um it was 12 stories of stainless steel um and according to this article i read more than 50 million visitors came uh to the world's fair and one thing i learned when i was doing um an on the stay in disney history about the world's fair um I learned that the 1964 World's Fair would actually become the 1964-1965 World's Fair. It began mm-hmm. April 22nd, 1964, ran through October 18th, 1964, but there would be a second season, April 21st, mm-hmm. 1965, to October 17th, 1965. So my thoughts are, once everything was out there, I mean, it just made sense to keep it, you know, keep it rolling for another I think, season. I think they had kind of planned that from the beginning, that he wanted yeah. to keep it open for two seasons because it was mm-hmm. going to be so big. And that yeah. actually, I, again, I, I cannot say enough how great the Defunct Land episode was. But there was like this big organization. I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to bring this down to a little bit more easy to understand because it was a lot. But there mm-hmm. was like this big organization that helped run events like this around the globe. And mm-hmm. Moses had wanted funding from them for the 1964 World's Fair and they gave it to a different event in Seattle instead because mm-hmm. they broke a bunch of the rules that like made it work with the parameters that this organization had and one of them was that they were planning to do the two seasons Mm. and they were going to be in two separate years back to back which like wasn't allowed um and so he didn't get the funding and he was really mad and bad mouth it was wild like truly I was like munching on my popcorn watching the defunct land episode because again I've always heard of the 1964-1965 world's fair that's kind of really the only one I feel like people hear about and talk about so I mean of course there were like literally hundreds of them but this is the one that people talk about maybe that's because I'm from New York and I like you know I'm from New Jersey near New York and I'm from you know the Disney community and I like Disney but I'm kind of surprised how much drama and dramatics went in you know behind the scenes not just with Disney because it was a lot of work to get everything ready and prepared just Mm -hmm. on Disney's end for their couple of attractions yeah definitely well um plus Disney had the Tencennial coming up that next year in 1965 too and they made a big to do about that as well so I I guess how they used to do things yeah (laughs) (laughs) I thought um I think the thing for me was like 
we always just hear like 1964 World's Fair, 1964 World's Fair. And whenever I was doing that piece, it was about when the 1965 World's Fair ended. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. And then that was when I kind of learned like, oh, it just, they ran two, through for two consecutive seasons, which I mean, technically it only ran from April to October. So you had that yeah, downtime in between. It was two six months, you know? like stints. Right, so it was one so full there year. There was some maintenance time, you know? Probably because it's really effing cold. That's like, true. They probably that, were like, we're not going to do it. Like even October is pushing it. So yeah, that tracks. Trying to make sense that they were like, let's do it while it's not cold. Also, while watching the Defunct Land episode, this was a crazy little fact for me because I, again, I know you guys are Carousel Project. Um, oh my gosh. Carousel of Progress Lovers, just like me. And in the Carousel of Progress, um, when the little boy is looking into that thing and he's like, ooh, dad, so this is little Egypt and the hoochie coochie. And I've always been like, what is that? And I just assumed it was like, (laughs) you know, I don't know. A thing he was saying, yeah. Exactly. No, Little Egypt and the Hoochie Coochie was a World's Fair staple show that they always (coughs) had at the Midway. And Mm. Moses cut it from the 1964-1965 World's Fair. And it was this huge deal that he was cutting Little Egypt and the Hoochie Coochie. So I could not believe it. Isn't that Dang. cool? That's such a cool what little thing. Fun nod. Yeah. Fun right? Yeah. I, I had no idea, like, you know, going on Carousel of Progress so many times, I had no idea what they were talking about. And when I took Kelsey for the first time, she was like, what? Is, like, who is Little Egypt? So we looked it up and, like, figured it out. And I'm just like, I I had no idea that was actually a thing. But, but did you know that they cut it from the World's Fair that year? No, I had no idea that that's part of the tie-in too. Mm-hmm. It was cut because Moses was absolutely no fun. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Walt was like, sure, I'll build stuff if other people are fitting the bill and I can see how people in the North like Disney attractions. I can test out some new stuff. I can do all these new, innovative, amazing things and... And I don't have to pay for it. So it's basically how he started working with the 1964 World's Fair. And again, it was super, super important to Moses that he did because having a name like Walt Disney with how popular Walt Disney and Disneyland was at this time right. was like, all right, you got rid of the Midway, but you have Disney. You yeah. know, people, especially on that side of the country who maybe were not able to make it out to California, to this yeah. was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And it's kind of cool how he just came in and had four different major popular attractions at this event. Right. Um, And they were built for the good, you know, for the capacity needed Mm -hmm. to have people coming through there, too, which... Um, I know, I know the main thing that you, that you said that we always hear is like Walt really used this as his opportunity to really test the limits of his team and see what they were capable of without having to cover it, which is really cool because we all know he ends up moving a majority of these projects back to his park after like, all Mm -hmm. right, bring them on back. And so smart. And also, again, so connected to Epcot. You know, like, yeah. there's a lot of connections between yeah. the World's Fair and Epcot. And, you know, mm. he was already thinking of Epcot at this point. But, right? I'm not... He was already he thinking was of Epcot at this in point, the, so... In the Carousel of Progress, the second story had his, um, his Progress Land model of his idea of Epcot was upstairs. Um, so he definitely was thinking of Epcot um, back then. But... 
it's funny because, you know, the his version of Epcot never came to be. Mm-hmm. But when right. Disney came, you know, when the Walt Disney Company came together and tried to figure out what this new version of Epcot could be, they always said it's supposed to be like a permanent World's Fair in a way with all the pavilions. So, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I feel like it's a, it's a nice nod to this big part of Disney's history. Um, mm-hmm. We're kind of getting away from that World's Fair element um, in Epcot over the past few years, I feel like at least mm-hmm. on the future world side but growing up i mean it really kind of was very similar um i could understand the concept of a world's fair uh from going to epcot and seeing like oh interventions was full of you know all these technological marvels of different companies right. and it was know, more about learning and yeah, that's what epcot exactly. was supposed to be about was mm-hmm. bringing culture together and bring innovation together which is very much the World's Fair. Like, there were yes. all these different pavilions by different countries. There were all mm-hmm. these different companies showing off their latest products. And now, as we said, the 1939 World's Fair was very much futurism. Very much, like, an excitement and obsession with the future. This was kind of before a lot of big things would happen. You know, like, people were um, really excited about the future. And that was really on the rise. For mm-hmm. the 1964 World's Fair, I did read that it was a lot more of, like consumerism like there were a lot of products on display and even when we Mm -hmm. talk about the things that disney contributed well disney is a company in and of itself but of course they were working with other um corporations to bring these things to the world's fair and that was again another way of showing that consumerism really really was on the rise and was at the forefront in this world's fair yeah, I think I read in one article um, how they were talking about Ford's Magic Skyway was trying to push, I think they said, some merchandise sales even at the event. And so based on, like, the attraction and the, you know, the grand measure of the Ford Skyway attraction, they were really able to bring the numbers in. Um, and then one one thing I saw about the Ford Mustang, it was actually originally introduced at the World's Fair on April 17th, 1964. And that introduction has been known as one of the most successful um, launches of an automotive automotive history. Basically, wow. them launching the Ford Mustang at Still that Still one of the fair. most iconic cars yes. to this day. And yep. then people got to ride around in them on the attraction, you know, and so they get to sit in the car, they get to get a feel for it, and then when they leave, oh, we're looking for a new car, let's get, you know what I mean? So I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't realize that the Ford Mustang launched with this attraction kind of in a way, like launched to the mm-hmm. public in, in that way. I didn't know that. So I thought that was kind of cool. And Kate, do you want to give a little overview of Ford's Magic Skyway? We already chatted how it was kind of the OG Disneyland um, people mover inspiration. Mm-hmm. The rides are not the same, but the inspiration and the and the ride motion vehicle kind of vibe was there. Yes. So um, basically Ford wanted to have an attraction at the World's Fair, um, they got with Walt Disney. The The attraction was sponsored by General Motors. Um, the, the idea of the attraction was the progress of humankind through the ages, um, and visitors would board one of 160 different 1964 Ford convertibles. So among those must have been some Mustangs. Um, and yep. then 
they tune, the cool thing was you could tune your radio to one of four different languages to listen to the narration. The narration was done by Walt Disney himself for this attraction. I did not Dang, know this before so cool. researching today, which I'm kind of surprised about since we've talked about this attraction already mm-hmm. on our People Mover right. episode. But I thought that was a cool thing to note that Mr. Walt Disney was the one taking you through time. But anyway. Um, did he do all four languages, though? I was going to ask the same thing, but I doubt uh, it. My guess is no, um, but I did think that was that was pretty cool. Um, another thing that I found about the Ford's Magic Skyway before we talk about what what it came to be, but uh, there was something called the Audio Parts Harmonic, which was designed by Bob Gurr and Raleigh Crump, and this was a musical machine made out of car parts. So that was something else that was out at this Ford's cool. Magic Skyway yeah. exhibit. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, so basically what Ford's Magic, the problem with Ford's Magic Skyway, the reason it couldn't be moved to Disneyland was just the sheer size of this building and this like attraction. So yeah. what happened instead was the technology to create the Ford's Magic Skyway was later reused to create the original Wedway People Mover at Disneyland that would open in 1967, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then there are parts of the Ford's Magic Skyway that did end up at Disneyland, though. Um, the train station uh, on the train between Tomorrowland and Main Street, you can still see the diorama of um, yes. the primeval world there. So there are some portions that made it. Um, if I, I do believe that they used the same dinos again for universe of energy attraction as well so up until ellen's energy adventure closed you did have that you know the similar the same type of dinosaurs duplicated over at epcot too so yeah i mean the interesting thing about that attraction is it's the only one of the four that did not completely move over to disneyland but there are still parts of it today through like the train station and then the abandoned people mover tracks in Tomorrowland. So that's R.I.P. That. R.I.P. Also a shameless plug for our people mover episode. Yeah. Shameless plug for people. Season mover. two, three. I've I, lost count at this I, point. It was, yeah, it was probably, it was three or four. I feel like we did it recently, right? Mm-hmm. It uh, was last year. I feel like it was last year. We should time know this. Just um, flies. Yeah. Time is a thief. I'm doing some research right now. <laughs> on our own podcast. He's doing yeah. some research on our own yes. podcast. We, so It was just December 3rd, 2021. Season oh, 3, dang. episode 3. So season 3. Yep. Season 3. Two whole seasons ago. Four, that was one of my favorite episodes, to be honest. I didn't think we were going to have enough. It was a and really good one. That one was really you cool. Definitely. If, I know. I always get nervous. You're always like, we're not going to have enough. And I'm like, girly, I could talk about a right. blade of grass for about, three hours. We could talk about nothing right. for hours. <laughs> We, we sure can. <laughs> we did before this podcast. We have. Yeah, we did. We, we can did and we have. nothing for literally an hour. Um, but yeah, shameless plug. And if you're really interested in the 1964 World's Fair, that is a great episode. I love yes. learning about that. I love talking about it. Also at the 1964 World's Fair, we have It's a Small World After All. Um, this ride was really important because it showed – Walt and the team how much people liked being able to sit on a boat and go through the experience because mm-hmm. in a typical museum or you know a typical like like a walk walk through experience. exhibit yeah um, or experience 
everybody, you kind of have to wait for the person in front of you where on this boat, everyone was seeing the same things at the same time. You didn't have to wait for the person in front of you because you were all moving together on a boat. Um, and so rumor had it, I wish I could remember where I was taught this through my time at Disney, but basically that at Disney land, they were building pirates of the Caribbean. And that is when Walt called Roy and said, no, I want it to be a boat ride. And Roy was like, mm. absolutely not. We already dug like <laughs> all this stuff out. It's not going to be a boat ride. Walt wouldn't take no for an answer. Again, according to what I learned while I was with Disney, that's why the drop is significantly steeper at um, Disneyland is because they had kind of, they were already planning to do something different and then they just had to make it work. Um, but they couldn't spend the money to fill that hole back in kind of a thing. Yeah. Who knows if it's true? Yeah, makes sense. Could all just be hearsay. Is it a story I used to tell while I worked at Club 33 to guess? Absolutely. So um, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's, where I get that's mine, all I care it about. It becomes real at that point. Um, but it's a small world after all, of course, is still iconic in parks around the globe. So that's huge. Um, we kind of already touched on um, the Carousel of Progress, which of course is one of our favorites and really was one of Walt's very favorite attractions as well. Um, the audio animatronics were really, really cool. What I loved about this one was there was a quote from... Walt, um, there was a quote from Walt about how he was working with, who was he working with for the Carousel of Progress? Um, for the Carousel of Progress, I do have some more about Small World when we're ready, but, Ooh, um, okay. um, but for Carousel of Progress, John Hench was, uh, was a big part of the inspiration for that. Um, no, the, the corporate sponsor. Oh, oh, General Electric. I'm sorry. Okay, there you I go. Thought I thought you meant, like, wrong. who on like, Disney staff. Oh, yeah, no, no, General no. Electric. So General Electric had approved the theming for um, the Carousel of Progress. And then, like, two months before, they were like, no, we don't like it. We think it fo focuses too much on history, not enough on the future. And apparently Walt said something along the lines of, I spent my whole life telling stories with nostalgia. This is the way you communicate with people. And I would just love if um, the current Walt Disney Company would think about that quote in their planning. Yes, um, yes, yes. I just think Bravo. that's, you know, we have all these quotes that are not really by Walt, but I think they should pay attention to that one. Anyways, Kate, back to you for more on the iconic It's a Small World, which, of course, was at the 1964 World's Fair. Um, I just want to touch on a few things I learned that I thought were interesting. So, first of all, this was the, the one that Disney had the least amount of time to work on out of the other projects. They had nine months to get this whole thing constructed, designed, and installed. Um, Pepsi had first contacted Walt in mid-1963. Um, they were actually recommended to work with Disney based on Joan Crawford's strong suggestion. She told Pepsi, you need to get with Walt Disney. You need to get something going with him. So Disney had originally said no because they had such a big workload with the other three projects they were working on, but he ultimately ended up deciding that he wanted to go ahead and help them build this quote little boat ride. Um, <laughs> now the attraction is a nine minute was a nine minute boat ride. It had the famous song from the Sherman Brothers. Um, but I I didn't know this. It was ninety five cents for adults to ride and sixty cents for kids. The pavilion itself was free, but to ride the ride you had to pay. So another thing um, about it's a small world that we don't really hear about 
anymore because they don't have it at Disneyland is the Tower of the Four of the Four Winds. Um, this was a 120 foot tall structure. Um, it was designed by Raleigh Crump, and I actually have a piece of artwork somebody sent me that was based on this. I think it's really pretty Ooh. and colorful. A lot of the footage you would see in like the Wonderful World of Disney episode that Walt d- did on TV to like kind of show everybody a preview of the World's Fair. There's a lot of footage of them outside with the tower of four winds so Mm -hmm. um anyway i wish there was kind of a nod to that now somehow at disneyland maybe even outside of the um the disneyland Mm -hmm. version um but that was all i thought it was interesting that in my opinion it's such a big task to take on this attraction and they had nine months to just put it all together and make it work um, yeah. So I guess that's why Walt Disney's name was on it so big in the, in the <laughs> all the old footage you just see like Walt Disney in the huge letters on that building. But um, anyway, that's all I have about it's a small world. As they should yeah. have his name in super, in super huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I guess back to Carousel of Progress. If we want to go back there. Um, back to Carousel of Progress. As Josie said, it was sponsored by General Electric. Um, each auditorium of the each of the six rooms in the auditorium could hold 250 people. Um, that this was supposed to be about the importance of electricity in American society. Um, as I was saying before, Imagineer John Hench was inspired by a Broadway production of Our Town, where the father narrates throughout the different generations so that was his idea behind john progress being the one to narrate the entire show and take Mm -hmm. us through the different generations the different periods of time um the circular theater had six total stages like we said and it could accommodate um 3600 guests per hour so it was really pushing people through um the upper level of so the theater the rotating theater was on the bottom level. The upper level had the Progress City model of Walt Disney's Epcot. Um, and during the 19th... 19- Is that the same model that's on the People Mover these days? So according to according to everything I read, yeah, it's the one that we can see on, um, wow. on the People Mover now. Um, that's pretty cool. I did think this was interesting, though, because I did know that, you know, the Disneyland version would have that second story that they would use mm. and... I've always wondered about that for ours, like why ours is just one story. But basically right. for the, for ours in Magic Kingdom, they knew that they just wanted the people mover or whatever to be running by. Um, they knew they didn't need to worry about building an upstairs space for yeah. Carousel yeah. of Progress. One other thing that I feel like goes unnoticed um, that I have had to check myself on because I'm like, that seems odd. Um the original Carousel of Progress and the Disneyland version, the theater operated clockwise, where the one in Walt Disney World operates counterclockwise. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, is kind of crazy because that means when they brought it over to Disney World, they had to like basically flip the entire thing around scene-wise right. to have it operate the other way. And the only reason I even thought of this is because I did a video about Carousel of Progress a while back and I saw the theater operating the opposite direction. I was like, wait a minute, when did this happen? Um, so it turns out it operated clockwise the entire time until it moved to Florida. Um, Interesting. 
That is crazy. I did not know that. But I didn't know the story about the Broadway production. So I thought that was kind of cool that John Hench was inspired by the show Mm -hmm. Our Town to come up with the concept of the father narrating everything. So I think it's really cool to see different things throughout time and history that have inspired things that we still have today. You know, things that we might not have we might not know about like little Egypt and the hoochie coochie, but we know about the carousel of progress, you know? So that's really, really cool to see how these things have really like things in Disney do connect us to a different time. Well, for me growing up, kind of like what we all talked about before, I grew up riding carousel progress every trip. And when my mom would pull us out of school, she was very big on like, you know, Oh, Mm -hmm. in the 1900s, this is, you know, Samantha Parkington era. Imagine schooling. Yeah. She was like, Oh, this is the Kit Kittridge era. This is Molly McIntyre's era, you know? So I was able to kind of visualize, Oh, what did Samantha Parkington wear? What did they talk about in her books? This is the same time frame. So anyway, um, a little bit of an American girl, Disney, um, synergy there, but (laughs) my point is it's stuck. So, yeah. Um, and then that leads us to last but certainly not least, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Yep. This one actually did not open on the same day as the World's Fair. It opened May 2nd, 1964. I don't know if this had anything to do with the drama that they had with the animatronic, maybe, because I know they had some drama yeah. with that. Well, they also had drama with it in general because yeah. Walt really wanted to do this. I mean, this was like the most yeah. innovative audio animatronic to date yeah Mm. he really wanted to do this he loved president lincoln and when he showed the audio animatronic to um moses he really loved it too so he basically said to walt like i'll find the funding you just worry about like making it happen yes yeah and nobody wanted to fund it because it was really expensive Mm -hmm. obviously so moses found people who wanted to do it which was lincoln's home state again a lot of the different states had different pavilions and things like that Mm -hmm. um so they wanted to do it but they couldn't afford it so he basically gave them a whole bunch of cuts and money to pay walt disney like he did a bunch of again shysty things to Mm -hmm. make sure that this was Mm -hmm. at the um that this was at the world's fair so i thought that was really interesting too because if you think about it when i was you know thinking about Oh, all the different corporate. I was like, what company would want great moments with Mr. Lincoln? Like, yeah. Lincoln is great, but doesn't what really company would up. really, yeah, yeah, what company would want that? That doesn't really make sense. So um, I think it's really, really funny. But yeah, the stories always go that at the World's Fair, no one had seen anything like it before. And they totally thought that it was an actor. Like, they did not believe that it was. Well, I was talking about not. The- I was talking about the fact that they had the malfunctions with the animatronic where the oil started to leak and the oil was red. So everybody was like, oh, it's like, it's like he was getting assassinated. Like all, you know what I mean? Like it was blood, like it looked like blood on him. Oh gosh. So that's what I thought. Oh, maybe that's why it opened like two weeks later because they were having problems with that. But yeah, I saw that. I, I, I'd never like openly known like off the top of my head that this was sponsored by the state of Illinois because Mm -hmm. like you said you're thinking what company um yeah but I will say the Illinois pavilion was the only all brick structure on the grounds for the entire uh world's fair and it was the only one of the four that that Disney was involved with that was not designed by Walt Disney 
like people. So they gave them the animatronic, but like the pavilion itself was not designed by Disney. So that may be part of like the fact that they were like, you know, it was so expensive. It it sounds Mm -hmm. like all the funds just went into like that one animatronic and then the rest of it, it was like, Illinois, you do your thing, you know? Um, I thought that was interesting. The narrator of the pre-show is Paul Freeze, which is the voice of the ghost host. Um, yes. And oh, wow. That's really cool. Yes. He does have a very... Yes. And then um, the figure that... The, the Abe Lincoln figure had more than um, 250,000 combinations of movement. Um, and his show was performed five times per hour. As you said, some people thought he was a real live actor and the theater could seat 496 people. Um, and he would, his speech, he was a life-sized audio animatronic. So I believe he was six, four. So it was a really big deal that he was like such a, like literally like life, life life-size, life-like. Um, and I don't know about what it was like back in the day, but I have been on the table at, I mean, on the stage at Hall of Presidents and- those are, it's so creepy how lifelike they look. Yeah. But when they're like not on. Oh, and yeah. Just like that kind of stuff there. would creep me out. Like real big. <laughs> yeah. Big just, time. just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read in the, the, uh, article I read that Gurr designed the, um, like the technology for the for the animatronic, um, the mechanics of it, and then James Alger was the one who wrote and produced, um, great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Roger Brogy, Brogy and Eustace Lysett, it says they were responsible for the show. I don't I don't know what that means. I guess maybe they worked on the animatronic um, based on the... They were responsible. That's, that's what it said on the Disney site. So I was like, okay, I'm writing it down. Um, but the kind of cool thing about this is that, you know, this one would eventually be brought to Disneyland. But before mm-hmm. the 1965 World's Fair was done, they opened Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland on Main Street in July of 1965. So they had they basically had a duplicate over wow. there at Disneyland because um, I, I guess because it was such a hit, um, which That's I didn't crazy. realize they that. put together that duplicate real freaking quick. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess it really didn't require much. They just had the one animatronic, and then you just need to be able to open close the curtains, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I looked a little bit into the, like, history of the ride, like, that it went, not the ride, the attraction at Disneyland. It opened July 18th, 1965, and it would remain there until 1973 when it would be replaced with the Walt Disney story. Um, That did not go over well with people, so by 1975, two years later, it became the Walt Disney story featuring great moments with Mr. Lincoln. So there would be there (laughs) would be there would be a little bit of both combo. They said Walt really liked Abe Lincoln, so we're gonna connect the two (laughs) stories. Walt likes trains. No, and then um, and then after that, um, I believe it went through some upgrades in like 2000, 2001. But then for the 50th, they would have a special show 
show. I think it was narrated by Steve Martin. That was yes, about I that, that was about fifty years of Disneyland. But the version nowadays, I mean, we did it back in September, and they they added they added some elements of the Let's American not Adventure. The song at the end. We got we got two brothers in there in the middle. <laughs> uh, we added two brothers, and then when you walk out, we have the correct version of Golden yes. Dreams. And I say that with the most love, but that is the most the best energy version of of that song. Anyway, so th- so it's kind of like a mini American Adventure now on. is what yeah. I'm getting the vibe. Yeah. So. And when two brothers came on, we looked at each other. We're just like, what the heck <laughs> is happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what the heck is happening? And also, where is Kevin? <laughs> Where's Kevin? To sing his favorite song, Two Mothers. Two Mothers. <laughs> so. Oh, man. So, yeah. I mean they all those all those attractions have left their mark definitely on Disneyland and honestly on Disney World too cuz versions and of Disney them, history yeah Disney versions fans of them love the 1964 made their World way Fair over there. oh yeah i i've always said if i could go back to one one point in time it'd be the 1964 World's Fair specifically when War. Walt was waiting opening up cop yeah, but specifically <laughs> when Walt was waiting in line to ride Ford's Magic Skyway because he refused to get the VIP experience and just skip the line, and he waited in the two-hour line with guests. He said he didn't want to, like, wow. skip. So Can you I, imagine being the person standing behind him? Right? Like, that I could have been my dad. Everybody. <laughs> it might have been him. Everybody. Might have yeah. been him. Your dad. You know, we're going to go with that. My dad stood in line <laughs> with Walt Disney there. You heard it here first. Yep. They were actually good buddies. Walt loved. <laughs> Walt loved Adam's dad. <laughs> yep. Epcot Adam's dad. That's his handle on social media. <laughs> That's that. actually why he named it Epcot because Epcot Adam's dad was like, I'm going to name my son Epcot Adam. And exactly. Walt was like, Epcot, I love that name. <laughs> I and love it. Um, so he was like, I'm actually thinking about this new park. Can I borrow that for the park and Adam's dad was like, sure, but I'm still naming my son Epcot Adam. Yep. Yep. It's I, true. This All, is another thing word. I used to do when I worked at Club 33 was just make up like <laughs> random <laughs> stories about Walt because I felt like so many people had like like I would like oh, the guests knew I was joking. Stories. Like yeah. I wouldn't say it. But like I feel yeah. like people would say things and I'd be like, but how do you know that? You know, like every morning at four Oh, 3 a.m. Walt woke up for his morning pee. Like, yeah, dude, there's no, you know what I mean? There's like, no way. I was like, there's no way that yeah. it had to really be four or six. Yeah. Um, so I would like kind of make up stories like that. But I mean, people obviously knew I was kidding, but I just always had so much fun with it. So, yeah, I love this new lore that we've created about Adam's dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this, sharing, this is canon now. Sharing this is some time together. Five seasons from now, we're bringing this joke back. <laughs> yeah. I wish that the original People Mover could have stuck around at Disneyland, but that's really my only, like, thing I'm pulling from this is that we're missing that. We're missing that. Everything else is kind of still around in some version, but not Which is so cool because things don't always last at Disney. Yeah. this is 60 years later. Things don't always last, so... That's one. I'll be honest. That's one of the things that that confuses me about the direction that things are going with, like the you know, kind of like getting rid of a lot of the old stuff. Is that like how cool is it that we'll keep around the diorama of like dinosaurs from almost sixty years ago? 
but then we're making like major change you know like adding star wars land to disneyland like i it's crazy to me that those two exist in the same reality if that makes sense um so i guess what i'm saying is i hope that primeval world is here to, to stick around Forever. to stick around for a while because mm-hmm. things have been a changing if they take away those dinos i i will lose it this is my official prediction um on february 15th that the avatar quote experience that's coming is going oh to gosh. be in the old star wars launch bay at disneyland because it's the only area yes. that's sitting there and has yes, nothing that's, so that's my official prediction something. yeah without closing something because it's not a ride if it was a ride they'd say attraction they said experience right. so that's right. my prediction Please put something there where it's away from everyone and no one cares <laughs> i'm not looking I'm forward not to it me either anyways <laughs> anyways we've learned a lot today what a banger of a season finale it has truly been a crazy day as i feel like it always is in times like this. is it ever not crazy no no it's always crazy it's always crazy that's how it always happens but we're so glad to do it i can't believe we're coming to the end of season five that is absolutely insane to me um i remember when kate and i were just starting this podcast the two of us and we thought no one was ever going to listen and then we got adam to join with us and somehow you know sign up for this wild ride and it's been so much fun ever since um (laughs) i've i've had a blast and i appreciate all of you uh we appreciate all of you thank you for listening and as always if you want to find us and come chat you can find us on instagram at carousel project podcast and as we close out season five, we won't forget that we're still collecting five star reviews. It's still Adam's favorite number. Um, always suck has been. It, Paul. Always will be. Um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're still collecting five star reviews. Mm-hmm. You can go over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and you can go ahead and leave your little thoughts about us. Five stars is is really the only way to go, and we would love to hear from you. We're still trying to hit that 100 reviews on both platforms it would be great if you could be a part of it yes please and as always share us with your friends we now have five whole seasons worth of episodes Woo-hoo, plus and bonus episodes plus on, bonus on episodes. patreon there's six bonus episodes so there's so much I love to listen the bonus to episodes. um also a reminder uh we're going to be taking the next four weeks off as we usually do between seasons so the start of season six will be on april 7th so If you've missed some old episodes, you have plenty of time to catch up before we start fresh with season six. Season six. I can't believe that. That is so, so, so insane to think about. Again, thank you all so much for listening along, for being a part of this ride. It means the world to us. And Kate, what are you going to tell them about now? Well, Josie, the last thing on our little on our little podcast episode is we're talking about that Patreon. So if you guys want to become a patron of your favorite podcast. To celebrate five seasons. To celebrate five seasons, you should join our fifth tier ticket E, e-ticket, because Best one. you can go ahead and vote on one of the episodes for the upcoming season. That's right. We will have a poll up starting today, so you can go ahead and vote 
from the three choices on one of our episodes for the season. And then once we get those votes in, you will get the complete list for season six. You will know what we're talking about all season before they come out. Plus the five minute previews, plus the bonus episodes, plus the Facebook group, plus any other random stuff we're going to put up there because we've been, yep, the sticker postcard, postcard, but we've been, we've been having a lot of fun recently and we've been saying, man, we need to just put this on the Patreon. So this is the time to join. We, we have all kinds of fun stuff to share with you guys. We sure do. We always do. We always have lots of fun stuff. That is it. We love you guys so much. We appreciate your listening, sharing, subscribing, all of it. Enjoy this little break from us. We will miss you. Happy fifth season. We can't wait to see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Love Watch you. out. Bye. Take care. Thought you were different. No post office today? <laughs> it's